Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a Wednesday. That means Nicole Auerbach is here, and that means we get a little power hour, Nicole. I mean, this is a this is a big newsy week, but we also have a lot of games to talk about. The games that happened last Saturday, plus the ones coming this Saturday. So there will be a lot more football chatter than than we've had on these shows because I felt I feel like it's it's been almost all COVID all the time, and. It's no good. No, and, and I think now that everyone's going to play, all 10, all 10 FBS leagues are going to play in the fall, uh, we can start talking about games. The, the weekends are getting more filled out. I don't know about you, but last Saturday, it felt like a normal football Saturday. There were enough games, finally, where it was like, okay, here, one game isn't good. I have five other options, which hasn't been the case. And, and it felt like there were big results, results that – Holy cow, you know, Oklahoma lost, LSU lost, and, and you, can, you can chew on that. You can actually, you know, freak out about some of the things that happened, like Georgia's first half. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit later because, you know, when Matt Fortuna and I broke it down right after it happened, we were very busy overreacting to everything. And now that we've had some time between those games and now, I feel like we're going to have a little more sober conversation about it or maybe we don't I, I don't know well well it is a power hour so it's kind of like are we drinking water today maybe we're drinking water we're, we're sobering up we are recording this at like noon nicole <laughs> i'm just saying it's the name of the the segment that's right and it is time for the power hour when news breaks the athletics nicole Auerbach is there but sometimes so much news breaks that she can only spend one minute story it's time for power hour that's right it is time for power hour and i am gonna work the clock this time i think i think you're just too good at getting these in in a minute nicole but i'm gonna make sure that you go over because i want i've got my buzzer working today and i want to i want to use it so we'll, we'll start with the first story quarterback sean wade offensive guard wyatt davis they opted out of Ohio State season, and then Ohio State decided, hey, we're going to play a season in the fall, and they said, you know what? We're going to opt back in. They are now cleared to play. What do you think? Well, I think it's the right decision. I mean, I know that there were, you know, paperwork, there's there's bureaucracy that, that you have to go through, but to me, you know, when we saw the Big Ten decide it's going to play in the fall, especially Ohio State, looking at how many games they could possibly get in. Can they get in the ballpark of the other you know, champions from other leagues if they win the Big Ten to get playoff consideration? Of course you want to be part of that. And so I think you know, it, it's been awesome to see guys like these Ohio State players and Rondale Moore and all of these star players, Rashad Bateman, try to come back. And so I think this is a year where you're already making – allowances you're already saying hey it's not going to cost anyone a year of eligibility no matter how many games you play um you know if you want to opt out we're guaranteeing scholarships like there's already all of these pretty player friendly rules in place for this year because it's so weird so i think it's absolutely the right decision to help players who want to opt back in i know you're so proud of yourself i, I know I see, you you hit it I, 
You were almost done too. But here, I know. Here's but my point is no. Let me finish. Okay. It's just I want to finish my sentence. Is that like it's good that they're trying to make this work? And I know that there's issues with agents and money and different things that are in the rules. But this is a weird year. Let them play if they want to play. I feel like Kanye. Hold on, Nicole. I'm going to let you finish, but I got to play my buzzer here. Uh, okay. You, you were smiling so much. We're doing this with Zoom, so I can see his reaction. <laughs> he was so giddy as he pressed Well, I actually pressed it at the right time, too. It didn't, it didn't <laughs> wait 10 seconds, and then you were done talking, and then all of a sudden, eh. So, but yes, uh, this, is, this is one of those. I'm glad. I feel like you know, if the NCAA has a VP of common sense, that person is on duty right now, because... All you've got to say is, there's a pandemic. That's all. That's the excuse for everything. There was a pandemic. Because I I think the NCAA always worries about, oh, what precedent are we setting here and all that. But let's say this happens again next year. They can say whatever. No, you can't do it. And then when the person says, but you let them do it last year, they say, well, there was a pandemic. And that's a good catch-all for everything. I agree. I mean, I just think there's a lot of stuff that's absolutely not carrying over next year and or five years from now and it's fine it's it's a weird year like just let things be weird and and just let people do what is best for them when the information changes they're making different decisions and should help them play if they want to play agreed agreed all right story number two notre dame announces it has 18 positive cases of coronavirus and everybody's in isolation now the irish not scheduled to play again until October 10th. They had to postpone their game against Wake Forest last week. Are you worried that they're going to actually have to miss games at some point? Well, it's interesting because I think we all immediately thought that they could play the Wake Forest game this coming weekend. And when that one got rescheduled to way later in the season, I think it was kind of a wake-up call that this was not a contact tracing incident Um, because, you know, we've definitely seen games postponed um, or moved around because, you know, one guy tested positive and it like caught an entire position group. This is clearly an outbreak on this team. And we've already seen it impact USF and their game, right? Like this is kind of the first big example of how um, the web of, you know, COVID cases and an outbreak can impact like four different teams. And it's funny because um, our friend Matt, Matt Norlander at CBS called me to ask some questions because basketball is starting to think about these issues. And he was like, are people really sitting out 10 days in isolation, 14 days in contact tracing like for potential exposure? I was like, oh, yeah. Like, do you see? <laughs> Love it. That every was time. good timing. That was great timing. Well, but yeah, I mean, Notre Dame is the perfect example of this and how it was going to disrupt season. Well, in the and in the Big Ten, they're going to do 21 days. So, you know, but with the daily testing, they're hoping that the contact tracing is easier and one positive case doesn't suddenly knock out five more people through contact tracing. So, yes. that we'll we'll see how that all works out. But it is interesting because we've seen the NFL now. We saw it with the Titans and the Vikings as well. Uh, this is the first incidence of, we've seen of it in the NFL, and they've managed to get three weeks in. So pretty good so far by them. College football, I mean, there were five games affected last week and a whole lot more than five games got played. So I, I think college is doing okay considering the circumstances. Well, yeah, and considering the fact that they're not doing daily testing and that these environments are the opposite of bubbles when you're talking about college campuses and 
the reason people go to college is to like be around other people. So as much as you want to try to do online classes only, you're going to be around people. So I agree. I mean, the fact that if you're able to do it where, you know, even a program like Notre Dame is kind of knocked out for a few weeks, but you're only missing maybe one game in that, or maybe you're not because you're able to reschedule. That's kind of the whole point of the way they built these schedules is to have as minimal an impact as possible when something like this happens and that you don't have to like shut down the entire season. So, um, you know, I know we keep saying this, but like this is what we were going to have to deal with if they were going to do this. When they talk about disruptions, it's, it's things like this. So, um, you know, you're, you could be surprised where it hits, where an outbreaks hit, but it's also a virus. It's a pandemic. You don't know where these things are going to hit. Again, the excuse for everything. There was a pandemic. All right. Now onto the field, Georgia quarterback JT Daniels, late of USC, has now been cleared to play. Remember, he tore his ACL in the season opener for USC last year. He transferred this year, but he was not yet cleared for contact. He is now cleared for contact. Georgia started to Mathis, finished with Stetson Bennett against Arkansas. Now JT Daniels joins the fray. Who do you think winds up playing QB against Auburn, Nicole? That is a great question, and I, I'm honestly so surprised at how the Georgia quarterback situation has gone because here we are thinking all offseason that they had like an embarrassment of riches, right? You think, oh, wow, JT Daniels is going there um, plus Jamie Newman, you know, and now you're talking about a game where they had to be um, – had to go to a former walk-on in Stetson Bennett, and and Dwan Mathis just totally struggled. Um, 8 of 17 for, for 55 yards and, a t- and an interception. I mean – just not what you want. And, and that first half was just an ugly, ugly game. And so, I mean, you've got to think that JT Daniels is going to get in the mix. You've got to hope that the reason that he wasn't in this position sooner was just the medical clearance and not that he had gotten beaten out. Because if that's what we saw, I mean, then, then, then you're in for more of a struggle if you're a Georgia fan. So I, I'm just, I remain baffled. I mean, it just, I did not think we'd be at this point in late September talking about Georgia quarterback struggles. I mean, you would think. You almost made it. You're so, you're made it. so I'm like close. one sentence away you're every single so time. so close. No, it would, but I, I think you're right about this. It, it, it is really crazy to think because the idea when they got Jamie Newman was, here's this guy who started two years at Wake Forest. You can plug him in. He's mature. He's, he's dealt with different offenses before. He'll learn this offense and be able to play it. Well, he opts out and then, You've got Dewan Mathis, who's never started a college game before. Stetson Bennett, who played a year at JUCO. He's he's a really interesting story because could have could have taken a scholarship out of high school, chose to walk on. It's sort of which that that's what Baker Mayfield did. Baker Mayfield could have taken a scholarship to to Washington State, chose to walk on at Texas Tech. And the difference with Stetson Bennett is he didn't wind up starting right away. He was behind Jake Fromm at Georgia. He then went JUCO, figured he was going to get some scholarship offers. He had, a, I believe, a Louisiana Monroe offer. And then, lo and behold, when Justin Fields leaves Georgia and a roster spot opens up, he gets a Georgia scholarship. So, yeah, I, it's, it's, they did use a scholarship on him coming out of JUCO. So that means they feel like he can play. Yeah, no, and, and it's more just the like that twists and turns and Juan Mathis' backstory. You're just wild. Like, again, it's Georgia. This is a place that's had, like, how many five-star quarterbacks commit? Right. And like you said, I mean, the expectations for Jamie Newman. It's just bizarre that we're having this conversation right now at this point in the year. I mean, I know they only played one game, but, like, 
this wasn't supposed to be a question. No, it wasn't. And and I remember watching the first half of that Arkansas game thinking, how did how did they get here? How did they get where they can't function on offense? Now, when Bennett came in, the offense was was quite functional. It looked good. I think they averaged almost seven yards a play when he was in. So, you know, it, that makes me curious because I don't know that he got a lot of first-team snaps in camp. And so if he was doing a lot of that off of instinct, what happens when you give him first-team snaps? It could be pretty good. And if that's the case, right? and, and I, I was at Auburn over the weekend, they're going to need to be good to beat Auburn because Auburn's pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, of, of all games and – you know, kind of potential matchups. I, I think coming out of last weekend, the perception of the Georgia-Auburn game totally flipped, I think, in terms of like the way we viewed it probably most of the offseason. So it's going to be really interesting. And again, like was JT Daniels, did he get beat out or was it just this injury holding him back? Like we're going to we're gonna learn yeah. and figure that out. Yeah, and the thing is we've seen JT Daniels as a starting quarterback in the Power Five. He was a very effective starting quarterback for USC as a true freshman. So I, I don't think... As bad as it looked that first half for Georgia, and the thing is, I'm not completely throwing Dewan Mathis out of this. It was his first start in college. There have been guys who have had bad first starts who have come back and been good college players. I mean, like Nathan Peterman, for example, his first start for Tennessee was an abject disaster. But then after he transferred to Pitt, he was a really good quarterback and beat the national champion his senior year. So you know, it happens where you have a bad first start and, and you just need to learn the speed of the game. And like, again, our favorite phrase, it's a pandemic. They had <laughs> That's right. off season. Off season was totally messed up. It, it makes all the sense in the world that you would not be perfectly sharp right out of the gate. But I do think it's concerning with Arkansas with a brand new coaching staff. You know, the, the, the offseason was more of a challenge for them and then to have that first half. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, this is going to be the actual big test. Right. And, this and, and the part that, that I was concerned with was how, how bad they looked in that first half. And they did, you know, like I said, click once Bennett came in. But covering Auburn, Kentucky, Auburn and Kentucky looked very sharp. Everything was crisp, clean. There were physical mistakes. There were fumbles, interceptions, that sort of thing, but not a lot of mental mistakes. And so I, I think Auburn is, is in a good place going into the Georgia game. And I know, George, I know Gus Balzon was really mad when the schedule came out and felt like that, that Auburn got jobbed on that schedule. But I think it may actually work out in their favor because they are coming into the season more crisp. Gus said something interesting, Nicole, that I, I've – heard the opposite from a bunch of different coaches, but Gus said they hit more in camp than they have in previous years because they felt like they needed to, to be ready and they looked more ready. Did they decide that after watching the Navy BYU game? Because I could see that shifting people's opinions on that because I'm with you. I mean, the way that it was, I mean, all of this, everyone's been very careful. Everyone's spaced out these practices. I think people were very nervous about, hitting and, and getting to that phase in camp. Plus you had, especially with, you know, the SEC and I think the ACC had, they, there was like an extended period of time they could have camp. So I think people were worried about going too hard for an extended period of time. So that is actually really interesting. And, you know, if, if that was part of the difference, I think, you know, you see it. Yeah. And, and what Gus said was, I think a lot of it was, was contact tracing with their offensive line is they had guys knocked out. And remember, they were placing four starters. So they wanted to get those guys some chemistry together hitting. 
And they wound up playing seven offensive linemen, which for Auburn is not something that, that Gus has been doing. But in a year like this, you better have those guys ready. I think we talked about this before after I covered Florida State, Georgia Tech, where as soon as one of their starting five went down, they were, they were a different offense. Auburn, meanwhile, was rotating tackles, rotating guards, and looked the same. So I, I think they're, they're in a pretty good place, especially when you consider the, the way that the offseason went. So last week is in the books. Now it's time to review the tape and prepare for this week. There's no better place to get out on all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. You pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use code RUN. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week four action. Enter the code RUN, R-U-N, to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code RUN, R-U-N, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I did want to ask you, Nicole, because we had the, the two really big upsets on Saturday with Kansas State beating Oklahoma and with Mississippi State beating LSU. Now that you've had a few days to, to chew on them, do you feel any differently than you did on Saturday about them? I think I still feel pretty similarly about Oklahoma. Um, I, I still am surprised by that. And I, and again, you know, weird off season, true freshmen being thrown into these situations. Like there were mistakes made late, but I think the game that I've switched how I feel about it is the Mississippi state LSU game. I, I think in the moment you get really sucked into the record-setting offense, and, like, you know, I'm working on something tied to the air raid. Like, it is still remarkable how well they – how quickly and how well they installed the offense with a transfer quarterback. But I think that in a lot of the immediate reactions, like, we really took out the context of what LSU lost and having a new defensive coordinator – and all of that, right? So, so to me, it's, it, it sounds like, oh my gosh, setting an SEC single, single uh, game record against the defending national champs, and it's LSU and LSU's defense, it's a little bit different. I mean, I think we can, we can certainly talk about how they didn't adapt and didn't react. And, you know, like in an air raid offense, when your defense, when you can see what you're doing to the defense and they're not changing and you just know that you have them, you're just going to continue to pour it on. Like, I, like we can talk about that. But to me, I think that we, we don't know what other defenses in the SEC are going to do to be more prepared against the area. Yeah, we, we, yeah. There's going to be ones that adapt better. And I, I imagine um, LSU's game plan that they practiced all week included Derek Stingley, did not account for the fact that their best player on defense was going to, to have an episode that caused him to miss the game. He had a medical event on Friday night that caused him to miss the game. And then they lose Cordell Flott in the, I think the second quarter. So 
all of a sudden, I, I just down. Think, I just yeah. think that context was kind of lost in the immediate overreaction, which again, I get it. It was it was wild to see, and everyone had been wanting to see Mike Leach in the SEC again. But I, I do think like that is not like what it sounds like doing that to the defending national champs is a little bit not quite what. Happen. Yeah, I've heard a lot this this week of, well, why didn't they just copy Washington? Because Washington always shut that offense down. Well, it's not that easy. Watch, Jimmy Lake's a really good coach. Jimmy Lake's a really good, or, you know, he's the head coach now, but he was the defensive coordinator before. And he's really good at that and basically planned all season for that to make that happen, to win that Apple Cup. And it's not that easy. And especially it's not that easy when your best DB is suddenly taken out of... Because it's one thing, like if you lose Derek Stingley on Monday, you can plan to play without him. If you lose him on Friday night, you've planned all week to play with him. So that's that's another factor there that I think people are, are not looking at. Because I've rewatched that game a couple times because I'm, I'm trying to work on something on what Kylan Hill can be in the air raid. Because I think this guy could be kind of the ultimate weapon this year. Oh, yeah. And... I was watching, and, and LSU covered very well for a half, and then they ran out of gas. You could tell, like, K.J. Costello could get rid of the ball a beat sooner because his receivers were coming open a beat sooner, where in the first half, he had to hold a little longer, and then he was getting a lot of pressure in his face. There was not as much pressure in his face in the second half because he could get rid of the ball quickly. Right, and and so, again, I think I think we all – theoretically understood how much LSU lost and how rare it is to only return. I mean, I think with Stingley, what, five returning starters yeah. Um, yeah. heading into the year? Like, that is losing a lot. And we knew there was turnover. It's not, you know, they had a lot of opt-outs. This wasn't going to be, like, a team that was going to actually compete for a national championship. Or it would be surprising if they did, if they were the team, you know, coming out of the SEC again. But it was still jarring to see it play out. And obviously, no more Dave Aranda as the defensive coordinator. He had some familiarity with the air raid in the past. I mean, so there were definitely reasons for what happened. Um, and so I think, to me, like, that has changed. Because you asked, you know, what changes a few days later in the way you look at this. That, to me, shifted. It, it, it made me think more about LSU than I think we were in the immediate aftermath. Whereas, like, the Oklahoma game, I still think... Like, I feel the same way, the same level of concern about Oklahoma that I did Saturday night. Yeah, because I feel like Oklahoma at this point is is what it is. I mean, Alex Grinch is in his second year as the D.C. Lincoln Riley's been there for six years total now. So you, you know what they're going to be. LSU, you're not quite sure what they're going to be. I thought the offense clicked a little bit in the second half. They've got a game against Vandy where they can work out a few more kinks, I think. So LSU may come out of September a different team. Oklahoma, I feel like that's that's the team we're going to get. And I, I I do feel like we've been a little unfair to Spencer Rattler, Nicole, because I mean, think about the circumstances. Baker Mayfield had been a, a Power 5 starter at Texas Tech before he ever got to Oklahoma. Uh, Kyler Murray was a fourth-year player at Oklahoma. He had, he had started games as a true freshman at Texas A&M. He'd been through all that. Jalen Hurts had led Alabama to two national title games as the starter before he went to Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler is a redshirt freshman who is making his first conference start on Saturday. So I feel like expecting him to be those guys right now is asking too much. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, but of, of all sports, I mean, I think college football, we have the most insane expectations for debuts and especially a history of, you know, crowning September Heismans that ended up, you know, not being in that picture later in the season. So wait, I do wait, think wait. We you, are, Kenny Hill didn't didn't win the Heisman that year. You know, I'll have to check, um, but I, I do not recall that. But I think like we do hype these guys up so much. I mean, it's part of the recruiting ecosystem. And then to walk into a Lincoln Riley offense, it's absolutely unfair to place all of those same expectations, especially for like, you know, the first real test, um, you know, and, and a game that we all can see, because I don't know about you, but I did not pay to watch their opener. Uh, their I did not. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't recall if someone was like streaming it on Twitch with like their foot in the whatever they did last year. I think they have, Arnie, to be losing for that. they have to be losing for that. Okay. Yeah, it had to be close. Um, and so to me, I mean, it's absolutely unfair to put those expectations, but he is insanely talented. He does throw a beautiful ball. Um, and, and I think like, there's a reason we put those expectations on him. They were absolutely unfair and there was no margin for error. There were going to be growing pains and mistakes that he's going to make. Um, but you know, we're just so like the margin for error of what we expect out of Lincoln Riley's quarterbacks is so small that like, of course that was going to happen. Maybe not a loss. I, I, I guess the loss part was surprising, but mistakes in general. Um, and, and, and to your point, putting a lot of it on him is, is, is unfair too, because again, you know, Alex Grinch, the defense, it, it, the question's always been, can Oklahoma's defense improve to the point? Like that is the limiting factor on this, in this program. Can they get better? But instead, you know, we talk about Spencer Rattler's mistakes and what, you know, the fire he got thrown into. Right, right. Because he, he was pl- actually playing pretty well. And if, if they have a good second half defensively, yeah, he's got two interceptions in the first half, but we're not talking about that exactly. this week. So I think you're right about that. Let's stay in the Big 12, though. Are you, are you concerned about Texas? Because let's yes. face it, Houston Baptist should have beaten Texas Tech, and Texas Tech probably should have beaten Texas, but Sam Ellinger had a great, great final two minutes in overtime. Yeah, I mean they they're they're once again lucky they have Sam Ellinger. I mean, he he is he can erase mistakes for our other players on that roster or decisions or play call whatever it is. But no, they should have they probably should have lost that game. And you know, again, the Big 12 is always hard to read. Like we don't necessarily know what Texas Tech is going to look like, but I I mean, I I think you know, after what you saw against Houston Baptist and then just kind of knowing you know, where they're projected and kind of middle of the pack to, to where they finished last year. You know, the Big 12 always has weird one-possession games. But, yeah, it's absolutely concerning that, you know, your quarterback, who is a Heisman contender, who is one of the face of the sport, has to bail you out of a game that you should have, on paper, won easily. So I, I am concerned. I think we always get so focused on are they back or not. Um, but like basically a basic consistency and, and just what is realistic to expect from them and, and that defense, um, you know, the, the fact that that became a shootout was also kind of a strange development. Um, so yeah, I think lots of room for concerns there. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause you know, they bring in two new coordinators. You've got Mike Yersich coming in to run the offense and you've got Chris Ash coming in to run the defense. And it's, it's like, how's that, how's that first staff meeting on Sunday after that game? I was like, hey, welcome, Mike. Hey, Chris. Um, we got to do better than that because we, we fired Todd Orlando for, for less than that. 
Right. Well, I mean, and, and so this is the point, and this is what I'm poking around on the air raid, is like not every coordinator change or coaching change starts very smoothly. And there are bumps. And it was a weird off season. You didn't have spring, installing different things. And Texas and the defense is a great example of this. I think you're right. And, and also think the Texas offense, it's not – like Mike Yersich came in and changed everything. He came in, and they've already got an offensive-minded head coach in Tom Herman. Tom was looking for a guy who he trusted to call the offense. But Yersich incorporated a lot of what they were already doing in what they do now. So that part was probably a little bit easier. I think it was a little bit more difficult for the defense. There was a bigger learning curve. But they better get it right because you know they, they've got TCU this week, but then – a three-game stretch of Oklahoma, Baylor, and Oklahoma State where you absolutely better be on point on defense or you're going to lose. Yeah, and um, we can, again, we can have those high expectations for Spencer Rattler again. Yes, we can. Now, that that one, I mean, what if that turns into a, a, the same kind of shootout? The thing is, it's weird. It's does Does it feel to you like Lubbock's one of those places where you'll believe any score you see out of there? Yes, and I feel like especially after last year, I remember talking to Matt Wells throughout the year and at the end about just how weird their games were last year. And I feel like they're they're always kind of weird, but he's been in particularly some bizarre like outcomes, one possession games. I mean, the Houston Baptist thing, we all we all googled this. I mean, they play on a field next to a CVS. I mean, it's just a bizarre setting and then like to think about that as a football program and a, you know, that could have beat Texas Tech. It just it's it's bizarre. And so um yeah, I mean if you told me like any a score in, in Lubbock ended seven three, which I think we would all do a double take at, I would actually believe it because you don't know what it's happens a strange there. place. Maybe the wind was blowing sixty miles an hour during the game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or just suddenly everyone played out of their minds defensively for the only time that year. Like I would also believe that happening. I, I'm I'm with you. It's time to talk about Artifact, guys. This is an unbelievable product. It is essentially a personalized podcast that you can record for yourself or for your kids. You can give as a gift. Professional interviewer will interview you and create a beautiful podcast that you can keep forever. Uh, you can do things like have them interview your parents about what their lives were like before you were born. Uh, you could interview your grandparents to get a family history. Uh, do it as a birthday gift. I think you could do it as a, for a proposal where you know one member of the couple talks to a bunch of the f- couple's friends and, and you get a bunch of quotes and talk about the relationship and how it evolved. And at the end, boom, you pop the question. It'd be great. I did an artifact of my own. It was about my time as a human tackling dummy for the Florida Gators. It's something I thought maybe my kids and their kids would be interested in, and it happened a pretty long time before my kids were born. So uh, now they have a record of it and all the all the times I got beat up and getting the Rudy speech and all that. So it was a great experience. It was very easy. I just went in, answered a few questions. Then they set up a time. A professional interviewer called me asked me all the pertinent questions, took me through the entire narrative, and when they were done, boom, beautiful podcast. Here's a little bit of it. And so he gave me the Rudy speech. There's that speech where the walk-ons are trying out, and the coach goes, your greatest value to this program is we don't care if you get hurt. And Jamie basically gave me that speech. Not in so many words, but you are, you are a human tackling dummy. You are here to be abused by the good players. 
to really get what this is all about, just need to listen to my episode. You can do that at heyartifact.com slash Andy. And the link is also listed in the show notes. So listen to my artifact at heyartifact.com slash Andy. And then when you decide to do your own artifact, you get $40 off by using the code Andy. Artifact is a great gift, a great way to record your own history. It's something I wish I could have done with my mom. If you get a chance to do it, go for it. Go to heyartifact.com slash Andy. You see what it's all about. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Nicole, we have another feature because you, you have a lot of really good written features that I feel like we need to bring into the audio space. So we've got another one where you always help us kind of chart out how we're going to spend our Saturdays. And I feel like now that the SEC has joined the fray and everybody else is kind of in conference play for real, we've got to, we've got to help everybody get their Saturdays straight. So let's, uh, let's, let's try a little setting up your Saturday. They're playing college football again. That means you've got a lot to juggle. And we're, uh, we're going to go to Home Depot. Yeah, buy some wallpaper, maybe get some flooring. Stuff like that. Maybe Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. That's why Nicole Auerbach is here to help you set up your Saturday. Um, actually, pretty nice little Saturday. That voiceover guy is amazing. He's my favorite. But, yeah, no, I, I was looking at this, and, and I wish we'd have done this last week because I, I feel like I didn't. I didn't Saturday write last week. Now I had to cover a game. Yeah, you write a game. It, it's hard to it's hard to plan out your Saturdays. But it was an early game, so I, when I got back, I had to get my screens right, and I didn't I didn't have. It took me a while to get LSU on one screen, LSU Mississippi State on one screen, and Texas Texas Tech on the other screen, and I just I was all it was all wrong, all wrong. So Nicole, please help me figure out how I'm going to plan this Saturday. Okay, well, so you know, I think it's boring if you just base this all off of like top twenty-five games. So we're gonna we're gonna Absolutely. give we're gonna give some interesting potential roadmaps. Okay, so the first one is we're gonna call it. This is a rep, and Andy's not gonna get this reference, but for anyone who's watched Always Be My Maybe, we're gonna it's gonna be bounce back like a tennis ball. Really, any kind of ball that's not a football. I watched the first 10 minutes of that movie today, and as I told you in a text message, I liked it when it was called Sweet Home Alabama, so I will probably like it now. Keep going. Uh, There's Keanu Reeves. Good cast. Phenomenal. Later on. And like I said, the band that they make in the movie is actually quite good. The tennis ball song is really catchy. Um, So for bounce backs games, we've already hit on them a little bit. Oklahoma at Iowa State and LSU at Vanderbilt. I, I mean, I feel for Vanderbilt being in this position coming off of that game. Um, but, you know, we're, obviously we're going to be paying attention. Both those games are at night, so we're going to have to two screen it. But, um, you know, I think we all want to see how they respond to those surprising losses last week. Um, this category, Andy, I think you'll appreciate. And this is the one that I think we all need to pay a little bit extra attention to. It's been a while. 
There are, oh, yeah. There are some teams we have not seen in, in almost a month. North Carolina has played a game this season, an ACC game, mind yes, you. Yes, and they are one and zero in ACC play. Memphis also scheduled to play. Charlotte scheduled to play. Air Force, Air Force first game of the year. Uh, there's going to be some teams that we kind of forgot are still playing this year. And I just remember, you know, Mac Brown last week was was kind of asked about this and about this long delay because they tried really hard to schedule a team um, last week because of this exact reason. And he was describing it as you got to take that early game, their, their Syracuse game, and just kind of forget about it. Like it was a one-off thing. And now this is when the season starts. I, I think they'd like to forget the first three quarters of that game anyway. So it works out perfectly. probably in good shape, but I mean, there's just the, the like mental reset of like, okay, well now the season is starting because how else do you get through the last three weeks without that? I mean, it's just such a weird gap. And you know, Houston hasn't played a game yet and has had to, like, get up for games every single week. And it's sort of the same philosophy where it's, it's like, how do you practice and motivate and prepare and then practice hard enough but not hard, not too hard when you have these really weird gaps? And for these teams, they've, they're coming off three weeks. They've, they've all played except Air Force, but they don't – they haven't played in a while. It's just well, weird. And, and Houston has not played yet. Still not playing still, this week. Still not playing this week. So their situation is going to be just totally bizarre. These are teams, Memphis, UNC, Charlotte. They played. Then they didn't. Now they're playing again. And then Air Force was originally only going to play Navy and Army. And now suddenly the Mountain West is coming back. So they actually have a really interesting situation Andy, I don't remember. Do you do you know the term for whatever it is that's equivalent to like a red shirt at, at Air Force? Oh, I, I forget what it's they call it. I'm sure it's back. I think, but it's um, they were essentially redshirting a lot of guys because they weren't going to play a full season this year, and they have strange eligibility rules because you know obviously in the military. Right, because then you have a service commitment afterward. They're expecting you to go in and be an officer. So I'm pretty sure most of the starting defense is not playing this fall. Anyway, there's just a lot of weird wrinkles to all of this because this is a program in particular that basically was like, okay, we're just going to play the Commander-in-Chief games and now is going to have to play a full season. So there's a lot of strange things with teams that we kind of forgot existed, and they're back. That's right. Now, I do think... uh, they're not playing this week, but they are playing a week from Thursday, or at least scheduled to. If Tulane-Houston kicks off next Thursday, I feel like they should have con- confetti cannons and blast the confetti cannons as soon as the game kicks off. They will have got So that would be October 8th. 8th. And they would have, at that point, was that, is that attempting, is that five different openers that they would have tried to schedule? Like, is, I, dating back to the original. I believe this would be the fifth. Yes, yeah. I, I believe so. That is just... Wild and like not that anyone's at fault. It's a pandemic, our favorite line. But they did. They didn't have the outbreaks on any of their games. No, it hasn't been them any of the time. No, yeah. Which I can just imagine how frustrating that is. So hopefully we'll be talking about Houston this time next week, getting their first opener. Um, They will not be in the setting up your Saturday because they won't be playing Saturday, but. I do think, Andy, that these categories will help make sure that you are paying attention to the most interesting things. I can, you can look on a calendar 
and see the top 25 games. You can see, okay, like, let's see how Florida goes now that they're, you know, number three in the country and Texas against TCU. And, hey, Pitt has a great defense. Let's check in on them. But listen, I'm here for you. I got the references to Netflix classic rom-coms and also... Is it a classic yet? It's been out for like a year. It might not be a full year, actually. Um, to A classic to be. And also, you know, again, the teams that we kind of forgot about that are back. So um, I'll have more categories and more weird things to follow because this is a weird season. Um, but that's really, you know, that's how I structure these things. It's like these are the off-the-beaten-path things you need to make sure you're paying attention to. Well, I, I'm excited about this. And, and next week we are going to probably in earnest preview that Tulane-Houston game, assuming it's going to happen. Uh, and Don't jinx you know, it. Knock may- on wood. Maybe we get our friend Troy Dannon, the Tulane athletic director, on and be like, you promise you're going to go? You, pro- you promise? We can have Dana Holgerson just listening in. <laughs> we'll ask for Dana, hey, Troy, you promise you're, you're going to make it. You're going to play. Dana's not going to believe it until they actually kick off on Saturday at this point. So, well. Yeah, I mean it's it's unbelievable. And I, I one more thing about the scheduling. Do you think? And this is more of a pure football question. This is, probably was was a question before the pandemic. I think this started last year. Do you think Fox moving their big game to noon forced ESPN to give us better SEC games at noon? Probably, and if so, that's great. I mean, I, I do think that it was noticeably better last year in terms of balance throughout the day. And I think that that is, is a good thing. I mean, instead of having to flip across four good games in prime time, we're getting some of the, like last weekend, some of the best games were during the day and that was awesome. Yeah. And like, that's not just saying someone as someone who's now getting older and gets tired earlier. Um, <laughs> that's just, you know, it's just good to have that. So I, I do think so. I do wonder, I, I thought you were going to say, you know, are some of these teams not quite, like some of the upsets we've seen have been early. Like, is that affecting the way they're preparing or kind of like readiness for the games? Um, which is a different conversation because there were, there were a handful of, of big upsets in that noon block last year as well. Um, yeah, and, and I think it's weird because I, I, I'll go back to my first job covering Tennessee in 2000 and I remember that their star receiver was Cedric Wilson and he was so mad when they played Memphis at noon in November in a non-conference game and he just he came out after the game and they'd won they were the much better team but it had been an ugly game and he said he's 11 o'clock local time we we're Tennessee we're not supposed (laughs) to play at 11 o'clock local time well and and I mean we could get that we could get some 9 a.m. kicks in the Pac-12. We don't we don't know about that yet. Like we're gonna have some weird body clock stuff. I mean, I've, I've the, come... the people in the Pac-12 are not happy about uh, other than Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly would love it. Well, I, I he, mean, I... he likes to practice at 6 a.m. Right. There's definitely some of these programs are morning programs. I mean, and we don't know that they're gonna do that, but they might. And they don't have fans, so this would be the time to try it. But I've been at those games where you've got like literally where body clock, you know, became in our lexicon because of Stanford and and the traveling East. And it takes like a half to wake up those teams when they are essentially playing at nine o'clock local time, body clock wise. So it's fascinating. So, I I mean, I love the noon stuff, but I can see it from a player standpoint that it is very different. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And and so the reason I say that is because you've got South Carolina at Florida, Missouri at Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida has been competitive and interesting the last few years, 
Missouri-Tennessee was not competitive last year, but I'm curious to see, you know, does Missouri get everybody back or do they have a full complement? Tennessee won at South Carolina, did not always look great winning at South Carolina. Uh, I have asked David Ubbin, our, our Tennessee beat writer, to pass along to Jeremy Pruitt. Can he get Henry Tooto on offense a little bit more? Because if you saw Henry Tooto on the pick six setting up his blocks, yeah. he actually moves better with the ball than like half the people on offense in the SEC. Yes. Also, just great player, great name. Do it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Play both ways. Get it, in the Heisman race. That's, that's the hey, key. Nic- hey, Nicole. Yeah. It's a pandemic. It's a pandemic. You got it. You got to do crazy stuff. Try it. Why not? It doesn't count. It's a pandemic. It doesn't count. No one's losing eligibility. Just do it. That's right. This podcast didn't even count. It's a pandemic. (laughs) All right, Nicole, it has been a pleasure. We will talk to you again next Wednesday, and I will talk to you with Ari Wasserman on Friday. He wants to rank crackers, which sounds kind of boring, but I guarantee that we will end up screaming at each other like those two guys in Houston. And also, just wanted to ask, Please subscribe to The Athletic. You can get it for a dollar a month for your first year right now. Best deal going. So go to theathletic.com slash staples. I think that's the, the URL now. But you could also just go to theathletic.com. We'll take your, we'll take your dollar a month any way you want to give it to us. And also, please subscribe to this podcast. Rate, review. We love constructive criticism. And if it's no more cracker rankings, you can take that up with Ari. But... I want Nicole, before I let you go, we are going to have rom-com rankings. I feel yes. like you and I are the perfect people to do this. So next week, get ready. We preview Tulane Houston. We have Tulane's AD promise that they're going to play so that we can reassure Dana Holgerson. And then it's rom-com rankings Yes. for like an hour after all the football talk's over. I feel like I've been preparing my entire life for this. So I'm very excited for next week's episode. Oh, I, I, I cannot wait to hear where you have love, actually. Mm. Ooh. Nope, no, no spoilers. Okay, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. All right, we'll talk to you later. <laughs>